Good morning, family. Good morning, friends. How are you doing? Yes. Are you out there? Yes. GP, are you with me? Yes. Come on. God is good. And all the time? God is so good. Amen. Where's my little uh, footstool here? <laughs> uh, could I get a glass of water, a bottle of water, please, ma'am? Amen and amen. Happy Mother's Day to all our ladies. Uh, it is a special day for you guys. We celebrate you. And like they say, the hand that rocks the cradle shakes the world. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's just my privilege and honor to share with you from the good word of God. Teboko, uh, hey, uh, I must tell you a story. My wife got a number of these wigs. Uh, and uh, you, family, you won't believe how expensive those things are. She had to pay it off in installments. And uh, to make it worse, she has this mannequin. Like, just from the shoulders up. And for the life of me, I've been terrified on a number of occasions, of occasions getting up 2, 3 a.m. in the morning and... <laughs> and it's a dog skin. And it's a dog skin. It's a dog skin. <laughs> you know it is the way. But yeah, um, my wife uh, gives me a good scare now and again. Babe, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to you. I know it's been a rough. It's rough every day. And uh, thank you so much for your patience. You know, uh, my threshold for patience, family, is very thin. <laughs> when the kids start performing and screaming, I literally switch off. And in the way, I ask, where am I? And I'll say I'm in the toilet, but I'm hiding out <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> I said, I have 45 minutes in the toilet, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's my secret. Anyway, can we pray? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Uh, for a wonderful time in your presence. Thank you for all our mothers. I remember my mother in Peter Maritzburg. I pray, Lord, that uh, she's enjoying a gift. Oh, it caused a lump in my walk. But I pray that she enjoys a gift. I pray that all our mothers feel special today, that they are celebrated not only today, but every day. And I pray, Lord, when, the, when our mummies of rebirth open that box, and when they get the surprise of their life, they will remember the spirit of giving and what it is to be a giver and what it is to be a cheerful giver and be reminded not only of how people can be a blessing but how you are a blessing in our lives lord and so lord forgive all our mummies uh, on our leadership team who didn't want to share the word of god this morning you know what a daunting task it is for me anoint these lips of clay and I pray, Lord, that you just bless our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, family. There's no seminary class or Bible school that can prepare you to preach on Mother's Day. Um, I find preaching at a funeral easier. I once had to preach to prisoners with multiple life sentences. That's far easier <laughs> than preaching on Mother's Day. Uh, because there's so many mixed feelings amongst us. You know, some of our mothers have passed on. Uh, some of us still have our mothers around. We celebrate them. We love them. Uh, some of us are still restoring our relationship with our parents. <laughs> we have some issues and tissues. And uh, I don't like preaching on Mother's Day. I promise you. Can I be honest? Yeah. The last time I was invited to preach, I avoid it every year. The last time I was invited to preach uh, uh, on Mother's Day, 
Uh, you know how wives like to patronize their, their husbands? Uh, so I preached through the, the message, and it just didn't go well. <laughs> it was the first time my wife ever came up to me and said, hey, that was bad, eh? <laughs> that was bad. So Lord, be with me this morning, amen. <laughs> amen. So I've had a lot of time to reflect about what I'd like to share with you this morning. I've tried my best to avoid reading this narrative to you. I tried to summarize it to find some key points. So just bear with me. Uh, we're in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read quite a few verses for you this morning, and I promise to be brief because I know there's a nice lunch prepared for our mummies at home. Uh, I'll try and be 20 minutes max. Uh, so if I'm 30, 40 minutes, please blame Zuei. Uh, she's my timekeeper. Second Kings chapter 4, when you're there, please give me an amen. amen. We will be reading from verses 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. Now Shunem was a place situated in the city of Issachar um, in Israel. And Shunem was located close to Jezreel. Jezreel was where Ahab and Jezebel had their palace. And so this was a wicked court, a wicked palace. And here we have this woman, a notable woman located in Shunem. And she's, we're not given a name. We're not giving, given any specific details about her. But we're told that she's a notable woman. And she persuaded Elisha to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by that Elisha would turn in there and eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he may turn in there and stay there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in there by the upper room and laid down there. Then he said to his servants, Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him and he said to her, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on behalf to the, uh, on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? I have connections you know, in high places. What can I do for you? And she answered and says, I dwell amongst my own people. In other words, I'm content. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he called her and when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and Elisha 
said to her, About this time next year, you will embrace a son. Those are very close, warm words for me because I think for about eight months after Madison, we struggled to have kids. Now look what happened. <laughs> No, we struggled for eight months, we tried, we tried, and Zuhay had some, some medical condition. And we got into a friend's home uh, in, um, I think it was Buklu. And there was this man of God there, uh, Dr. Yanez, he's from the States, and he has this healing ministry. And his father was serving under A.A. Allen's ministry. If you know the story of A.A. Allen, A.A. Allen was one of the greatest miracle workers of our time. Uh, you can read up and check YouTube about his testimonies. He prayed for a boy with 27 diseases and was healed. And so Dr. Yanez was there. He got up from his sleep. We had a breakfast there and he was in his PJs. He had his sleeper socks on. And then he turned to us and he said, what, what can we do for you? What, what can I do? How can I pray for you? And Zoe said, look, uh, I'm struggling in this situation and my knee has been... Uh, I've had issues with my knee for years because of training. And right there and then he prayed for her and she fell over under the spirit of that. Immediately her knee was healed. And immediately the issue that she had was healed. And then he said these words, about this time next year, you will have conceived. At the exact time, <laughs> as he said it, he quoted this verse, Zuei conceived, and lo and behold, Cameron and Charlie came forth into the world. We might have the privilege of having Dr. Yanez here in September, um, if everything goes well, and we look forward to some supernatural meetings. Amen. Amen. Where were we? Verse 16, then he said, to about this time next year you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Don't get my hopes up. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. So God had given her the son. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father in the field, to the reapers, and when he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry this boy to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and he died. And he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. She tells her husband nothing. <laughs> Talk about communication problems. <laughs> she says nothing to her husband. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither new moon nor the Sabbath. And she says, it is well. It is well. This was a woman of faith. And if you know Pastor B, you know that every time you encounter Pastor B, he will ask you this one question. Is it well 
with yourself. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she depart, departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her far off that he said to his servant Gazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now and meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. She has an unshakable faith. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. She clung to his feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away because this was not the proper decorum for ancient times for a woman to cling on to the feet of a man or prophet. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And she was like, she didn't ask for the son. But God in his free grace and mercy decided to honor. And then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready, take my staff in your hand, and be on your way if you meet anyone do not greet him and if anyone greets you do not answer him but lay my staff on the on the face of the child and the mother of the child said as the lord lives and as your soul lives i will not leave you so he arose and he followed her and the story goes on that the boy was healed and brought back to life and i encourage you when you have the chance please Go and read the full story. Amen. Amen. In contrast to all the great women in scripture, the Shunammite woman is not known for any outstanding miracles or any heroic acts. The Bible will tell you of Rahab who protected the two spies of Israel. The Bible will tell you of Ruth the Moabite who believe God, who provide for her. The Bible tells you of Deborah, a mighty prophetess, who was a judge and ruler in Israel. The Bible will tell you of Esther, who in her courage decided to save her people by approaching and breaking the protocol of the kingdom of Persia and approaching the king. The Bible will tell you of Miriam and her mighty deeds, and prophecies. The Bible will tell you of Yahel and Rebecca and Mary and all the great women who are known for their heroic acts. But the Shunammite woman for me represents more of a down-to-earth model for women to emulate. She hasn't done anything outstanding or miraculous. But we see in this woman a desire for the things of God. We see in this woman the power of persuasion. We see a kind of uh, patriotic spirit in this woman. We see a woman that is generous. We see a woman that is determined in her faith. We see a loving mother. And so the first description we told of this woman in verse 8 is that she is a notable woman 
And if you peel away the, your English translation, you will get the Hebrew term gedola. And the term gedola has two meanings. It means wealth. It refers to wealth. So when the Bible says this woman was a notable woman, it's saying this was a resourceful woman. This was a wealthy woman. And so it was. She built a room for the man of God. Not that he lived there, but that it would be available for whenever he came past. That tells me she had money. And the term gedola not only refers to wealth, but in Hebrew it also refers to wisdom. To wisdom. It's a term that's used to refer to the rabbinic scholars who demonstrated the Torah and who are wise in their judgments. And if you study this woman, you'll see that this is a discerning woman. She comes up to her, to her husband and says, Babe, I can see this is a man of God. This is no Bushiri. This is no false prophet. This is a true man of God. Can we do something to honor him? Can we make it more comfortable for him when he comes by? And so we see this generous spirit that this woman carries. She first offers him a meal and then she takes it a step further and offers him accommodation. And so this is no stingy woman. This is a woman that God has placed with resources and does not hold her resources with her first clothes. She has an open hand. Giving to her was not about the numbers and counting the pennies. It was about helping one person at a time. And she didn't just give liberally, she, she gave discerningly. She knew who she was helping. I know some of you are worried that I'm going to go back into the offering talk. <laughs> but I'm talking about being a person who gives. You know, part of my spiritual growth strategy is generosity. I want to be a giver. I, it doesn't matter how many verses of scripture I can quote. It doesn't matter if I can raise the dead or prophesy forensic prophecies and tell you your ID number. Part of my spiritual growth plan is to be a giver. And this is the spirit that we try and cultivate in the house of Rebirth. We want to be a church that gives. And if truth be told, our, our output has always been more than our input. Because we believe in being a river and not a swamp. If you ever meet my friends, and I have some such cool, crazy friends from all kinds of backgrounds. You won't believe me if I tell you the story. <laughs> but I have these crazy friends. Whenever we get together, sometimes we'll get together in big numbers. I'm talking about like 12 or 15 of us, you know? It's like when Kinley has a pride by his house with all his buddies. <laughs> you know, we have, we, have this, we have this lunch. And whenever we get to the table, the bowl will come. And there's no small bowl. Two more, three, four thousand rand, Paul. And so now I get out my pen. 
Everybody gets out their pen and starts calculating, hey, what did I order? <laughs> but there's always three or four guys, they fight for the ball. They fight for the ball. And so on, on one occasion, this friend of mine, he actually uh, ministered here once, he slips out to the toilet and he comes back and now we're all waiting for the bull and we're like, waiter, where's the bull? He says, no, um, the sir over there settled the bull. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you don't give us a chance. <laughs> and he said, no, it's my pleasure, guys. I want to be a blessing. Every time, I promise, I learned that from some of my friends. Every time I go out to lunch with someone, my wife and I, we will fight to pay the bill. So this woman comes and says, uh, Elisha can, you know, she, she offers him uh, food and, and he's reluctant. But the Bible says in verse 8, she persuaded him to eat. She persuaded him. Another translation says she urged him. In other words, you know, he, he was modest and he didn't want to overextend herself. Sometimes I notice that when we want to do good for people, we often allow them to speak us out of our generosity. <laughs> You'll say, hey, I'd like to offer you. And then the person will say, no, 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 no. It's okay, I'm fine. No, I insist. No, no, it's fine. Okay, okay then. Yeah. No, this was not the kind of woman. This was not the kind of giver. She insisted, no, I'm going to do this for you. She was a woman who offered up her hospitality insistently and graciously. She knew how to serve and entertain the man of God. And sometimes I feel like, you know, as, as the days are going by and the years are going by, we're losing the art of hospitality. I, sometimes when I, we, we go out, uh, you know, we have date nights almost every week. Uh, I'll encourage you, marriage, married people, please have date nights. <laughs> okay. So we have these date nights and we go out and we try and look for, you know, new restaurants and, and sometimes we get referrals for, for restaurants. But there's one particular restaurant we've, we've been to where the service was just totally incredible, you know. We got up in the elevator and when we get up to, to the floor of the restaurant, you know, it's like they sprayed this expensive cologne in the air. And the waitresses all have heels and they're all dressed in black and the, and the waitresses have these earpieces and they communicate with one another. <laughs> and when we get in, they're like, ma'am, can I take your, your bag and your coat? And sir, can I take your coat? And they're like, wow. And then they come, they open the chair for us. And they first thing they do is they pour us a glass of water, anything to, to drink, sir, ma'am. Uh, no, we, we, we find this, we, we'll just look at the menu quickly. And then he goes. Two minutes later, another waiter comes, drops off, drops off some snacks, leaves. Ten minutes later, another waiter comes. And it's just like a series and gauntlet of waiters. And when we walked out, we were like, babe, what service? Even if the food was nasty, I'd still eat here. <laughs> and the problem with receiving that kind of hospitality is when we go to other restaurants, it's spoiled. <laughs> like, where's the hospitality? You know? And I tell my kids, you know, when we have guests, and, and sometimes we, we fight about it. When we have guests, offer them tea and coffee, you know. Don't wait to be asked. 
What happened to those days when you walked through the door and you were just greeted with hospitality? You know, courteous treatment will make a customer a walking advertisement. People will speak of you whenever you are mentioned or whenever the need arises to and your name will go before you. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares. If you look at the story of the Shunammite woman, and if you know your Bible, you will know that there's a parallel between what happens in the story of the Shunammite woman and what happens in the story of Abraham, uh, Sarah, and Isaac. Abraham and Sarah show hospitality to three strangers, not knowing that they're angels. The Shunammite woman shows hospitality to the man of God, Elisha. While showing hospitality to the three strangers, one of the angels prophesies and says to Abraham that him and Sarah are going to conceive a child. And Sarah overhears and laughs. While this woman is serving and being, and, and being generous to the man of God, a man of God prophesies and said, this time next year you'll conceive a son. In both scenarios, we have a son and child that's near death, who in the one case died. Because the Bible says, God tested Abraham's heart and said, take your son and go to Moriah, the hill of Moriah, and sacrifice him there to me. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham was so full of faith that he reckoned Isaac was dead. And he reckoned that God was able to raise him from the dead. In other words, he went there and he determined his son is dead. So Hebrews 11 goes on to say that figuratively, Abraham received Isaac from the dead. Because he was dead to him. And in the scenario of the Shunammite woman, her son dies, but is raised back to life by Elisha. This is a beautiful parallel and, and pattern and, and shows us the importance of being generous and shows us the importance of showing simple courtesy and hospitality. And so this woman shows Elijah hospitality. He prophesies of a son she conceived and God blesses her with the son. But the very gift and blessing that she receives is taken away from her. And what does she do? She remembers the Lord. She remembers the Lord because she remembers where the blessing came from and who the blessing came through. And so she approaches Elisha and you can read by the narrative that this is a woman with unshakable faith. Not only did she have faith, but she had a plan. She lays the boy in the prophet's room, seemingly tells her husband nothing. She asks him, get me a servant, get me a donkey, I'm off to the man of God. She deserves her heart and her appeal not even for Gehazi. She waits to speak to the man of God himself. And when she gets to the man of God, she clings to his feet 
and says, did I ask for a son? Why has the Lord taken away what is given? And she eventually receives a son from death. But here's the thing. There was a woman with faith and a woman with works. A woman with a plan. Tells us something about when we're confronted with challenges, when we're confronted with our mountains, with our giants. It's not enough just to say, I have faith. Have a plan. Have works. Have a plan of action. And so she puts this plan of action together and the dream that she thought was dead came alive. Dreams can live again. God-given dreams can live again. And I came to tell you this morning, don't give up on the dreams that God has given you. I'm not just talking to moms this morning. I'm talking to everyone here who believes God has given him a gift. God has given him a dream. I would encourage you to have faith. I would encourage you to demonstrate faith. I would encourage you to have a plan. Don't just say, God called me to start a business. Put a plan of action together. Don't say, hey, uh, I'm going to get married next year. Put a plan of action together. Work your faith. This was a woman who was discerning. This was a woman who was content. This was a woman who was submissive to her husband. What an ideal of a woman. And I want to encourage every woman here this morning, every mom out here, keep the faith. Keep the dream alive. Continue to show love. Continue to be a giver. Continue to show hospitality. Don't allow the challenges of this life to make you bitter. Don't allow the pain that you've gone through to clench your fists. Be a river and not a swamp. Amen. 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 Did I do good? Yes. Did I do good? Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Can we stand this morning?